Welcome into Hitting Hard with John Chuckery here on Locked On Sports Atlanta. Today on the show, let's not overreact. A cool front that's been coming in, and is he the current leader? It's all next. It's Hitting Hard with John Chuckery, Locked On Sports Atlanta. This is Hitting Hard with John Chuckery, part of Locked On Sports Atlanta, and it starts now. Hitting hard as part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. We ask you to subscribe or follow for free on YouTube or wherever you listen to your podcast. You get the latest episodes of Hitting Hard as soon as they become available. Check us out on the SiriusXM app as well and give me a follow on my personal Twitter page at JMCH316. So I already saw first day of camp, first practices for the Falcons, okay? And Desmond Ritter was up and down, you know, as far as his throws and stuff. You know, we we saw some completions to Kyle Pitts with nobody guarding. Okay. But he also had some struggles. And I already saw the articles that were being written. There were a few here and there. Should we be concerned about Desmond Ritter? And we're literally in the first day of training camp. We're literally in the very first practice of the new season. And we're already on the should we be concerned about Desmond Ritter? Look, Desmond Ritter is going to be the starting quarterback for this team. He's going to get his chance to succeed or fail. If it fails, okay, they may make a move at this point. But why are we in the business of overreacting already in the first practices? Like, why are we in this business going at it about just we're creating these you know, uh, just these narratives or what have you. Look, let's not overreact to this. Let's let Desmond Ritter, he's by and large in his first year, right? Again, I know he practiced last year. Obviously, he got to start the, the, the four games, but now he's going into this season as the full-time starter. Now he's going to get the reps with all the number ones, right? And, and if we're going to micromanage everything, like, again, we're going to have paralysis from analysis. We're going to just way overthink this thing. I promise you the Falcons aren't overthinking this thing. You know, they watched him all last year. They've seen him all summer long. They know what they've got in Desmond Ritter. Now, again, doesn't mean he'll light the league on fire. Doesn't mean that he'll be a bum or a bust or what have you. But again, we're already getting these narratives about should there be concern about the Atlanta Falcons? Look, I'm excited about Desmond Ritter. I said, you know, consistently on this podcast and on radio and everywhere else that he was my favorite draft pick from last year. I want to see him get his shot because the kid's a winner. I don't, you know, again, I'm not worried about what his stats are. If he, let's just for argument's sake say, you know, he throws for 2,200 yards, 15 touchdowns and 10 interceptions, but the Falcons go 10 and seven. I don't care about his stats. I don't play fantasy football. I don't worry about what's he do. I don't play fantasy football from the sense of, again, I worry about what everybody's numbers are. I just want a guy who wins. And I think Desmond Ritter's got that innate ability that he's a winner. He was a winner in college. You know, again, we talk about some of these quarterbacks that put up all these big stats and all these numbers. Derek Carr and guys like that, you know. Again, they put up big numbers, right? 5,000 yards and 30 touchdowns. And Kirk Cousins put all the, 
and they don't win anything. They don't win at the end of the day. At the end of the day, they're all sitting home, you know, at the end of the playoffs, all watching the same game on TV. They don't win anything. Derek Carr has won nothing in this league. That's why I don't get excited about some of these guys. That's why I get excited more about guys that come out of college that have an innate ability to win than I do about all the guys that are stat machines. I watched Jeff George for a lot of his career. I, I He could throw it a country mile. Had maybe the best arm I've ever seen in the NFL. Could do things with the football, just watching him warm up and practices and stuff like that. Do things with the football that were just ridiculous. And he was the ultimate loser. So again, before we start getting into narratives, let me let me talk to the media here for just a second. Before we start to get into any kind of narratives about should we be concerned, can we just let this thing play itself out? Can we let this thing again? You want to you want to write articles about what to be concerned about? Write articles about our pass rush. And, and can we get to 38 or 40 sacks after I've given you all the in fact, call me and I'll help you write the stories about what we should be concerned about because I don't have a hundred percent guarantee that we've fixed some of the other things, but to get in the idea of this narrative of should we be concerned about Desmond Ritter because he didn't throw it well in the first practice of the new season. Oh my gosh. Like we're going to, you're going to, you're going to make your mind melt. I mean, you're going to have your brain. That's just going to be like mush at the end of the day. If you continue down this pathway. Ritter will be fine. He's our starting quarterback. And look, again, I don't know what kind of stats he's going to put up. We we speculated here a week or two ago about what his numbers may be. You know, again, I don't think he's going to be 35 touchdowns, and I don't think he's going to be the MVP of the league and stuff like that. But I think he'll be a capable quarterback. He showed you that he got better, and that's what you want. He got better every single week of the season down the stretch. That's all you want. And by the way, for all the, the numbers and, well, he was almost turning it over and this, then the other, he was two and two. Two and two. That That's better than the other guy. That's better than what the other guy was. He was two and two in the four games. And think about it. He made his first starts of the his entire career in the NFL, and he still found a way to get to two and two. I'm not telling you that that's mind-blowing, but at the end of the day, he found ways to win games. He was leading his team to victories. That's what I care about. That's the only thing that matters in the NFL. It's the only thing at the end of the day that anybody is interested in. Did you win or did you lose? And, and this is why we talk about, look, even if they don't make the playoffs last year, we talked about this yesterday on the podcast. As long as, 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 long as we start with a winning record, we can figure out everything from there. As long as we're 9-8, and 10-7 and seven or better, we can figure out everything from there. If that doesn't include a playoff, then that doesn't include a playoff. But we certainly turn the corner at that point. We're certainly in a more positive and up arrow type of direction. So, no, I'm not concerned about Desmond Ritter right now with the first practice. You know, again, it, it's New Year. Uh, we're going to go into this thing. Again, we're still going to be the same kind of run-heavy offense that we expect. I just need Desmond Ritter to play well in the red zone. I need him to be lights out when it comes to red zone football. I don't I don't need him to huck it around for 5000 yards. I don't need him to huck it around for 35 touchdowns because that's not going to happen. Just be really good in the red zone at the end of the day. Be really good at the point of attack that we need to score more touchdowns. Again, 
get us to a point of 67% touchdown percentage in the red zone. If we get to that percentage, that'll be the stat to look at because there's no excuses. And I'll, and I'll be hard on Ritter if, if, if this, you know, doesn't happen, doesn't materialize and stuff like that. I'll, I'll criticize when it's justified, but not when it's been the first practice of the year and not having concerns about what we're doing out there and stuff. Let's just let this thing play itself out and figure out what we've got from there. At the end of the day, Desmond Ritter is going to be fine. And again, I think he's going to lead this team to at least nine or 10 victories at the end of the day. All right, this episode is brought to you by FanDuel. As you know, FanDuel is America's number one sports book. And as you're betting on Major League Baseball, no better time to get in on FanDuel and get 10 times your first bet in bonus bets, up to $200. That's right. Just bet 20 bucks and you'll land $200 in bonus bets, whether you win or whether you lose. That's $200 you can spend on everything from money lines to over-unders to who you think is going to hit the first home run. And obviously, with FanDuel, it's a safe, secure, and very super easy-to-use app. But most importantly is when you win, you get paid instantly. So no better time to bet on Major League Baseball than FanDuel. FanDuel is America's number one sports book. Sign up today. Head to FanDuel.com slash locked on. That's FanDuel.com slash L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N. FanDuel.com. You can get $200 in bonus bets. FanDuel.com slash locked on. FanDuel.com slash L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N. FanDuel is the official partner of Major League Baseball. So there are definitely some cool bats that are happening right now in the Braves lineup. And we'll talk more about Spencer Strider here in just a little bit. But some of the numbers that, you know, again, maybe they coincide with, you know, the, the Braves, you know, woes here of late or what have you. But I'm just looking at some numbers and trying to dissect what is what is going on here. So in Eddie, uh, sorry, in Marcelo Zuna's last 14 games, he is four for 49 with one homer and three RBI. He's hitting 082 with a 275 OPS. Coincidentally, the Braves record in that 14-game stretch is six and eight. For the month of July, Eddie Rosario is hitting eight for 52 with a 154 batting average, a 450 OPS, one homer, and four RBI. That's for the entire month, and we're just a few days away from being into August, okay? And this is the one that really got me. Orlando Arcia <clears throat> is seven for his last 34. Last 10 games that he's played, seven for 34, hitting 206. The Braves' record in that 10-game stretch, three and seven. Now, I'm not saying that those guys are the linchpins and that it's all on them or this, any other. But one of the things that we have talked about consistently throughout the season has been how good the bottom of their lineup has been and how good that they have been at turning over this lineup to get to Ronnie and Ozzy and Riley and Olsen. But those guys, you know, coincidentally have definitely struggled. And the Braves have not had as much success over these past handful of games as what they've had earlier in the year when those guys were, were raking it. Now, again, <clears throat> this is probably coming back to the norm, right? Marcelo Zuna was 
not going to hit, you know, again, he hit what, like 320 in the month of June or whatever it was and could have been uh, player of the uh, what player of the month in either May or June or whatever. You know, again, could have could have contended for that. Rosario's had a really good year. We've talked about Arcia obviously being the starting shortstop for the National League. All good things. But some of this is coming back to the mean, to the middle now, right? Coming back to the mean. That some of these guys, their levels are flattening off to, you know, what they are. And look, Rosario and Azuna are really streaky players. You know, Marcelo Azuna is a massively streaky player. And again, RC is a guy who at some point you're catching up to and you're figuring him out where he's kind of surprised people with what he's done thus far, but it's kind of coming back to the norm now, right? So it is interesting that when you look at the record of the Braves as some of these guys have faltered, and again, I didn't do I didn't do Ronnie and, and Ozzy and things like that because those guys have been pretty consistent. I mean, Ozzy had the three-run homer, you know, last night. Riley was red hot here. He was the player of the week last week. But it is interesting that as Marcelo Zuna and Orlando Arcia, a couple of those guys, have struggled here of late, the Braves have a losing record. And we've talked about just how good the bottom of this order has been, how much productivity, whether it's Michael Harris, whether it's Rosario, whether it's Ozuna, whether it's Arcia, those guys have been big contributors to the Braves' success as to why they've had the year that they've had. Again, right now, you look at the 35,000-foot view of Orlando Arcia, he's hitting 287 with 10 homers. I'll take, I take If you'd have told me that 100 games into the season, he'd be hitting 287 with 10 homers and playing really good defense, I'd take that all day long. But it has been... It has been a, a a struggle here of late or, you know, again, some some bumps in the road here of late. And as those guys have gone, the Braves record has kind of reflected that. And again, Marcelo Zuna is a guy who can go through a stretch like this. You know, he's 49, hitting 082 in his last 14 games. And then all of a sudden he could turn it around in two weeks and be hitting 400 with four homers and 20 RBI. I mean, again, he's such a streaky player. And that's that's the ebbs and flows that you have to live with over a 162-game season. Now, do I think that they need to start upgrading at left field and start adding more bats and stuff like that? I don't think so. I mean, again, I, I could see them I could see them adding a right-handed bat to maybe platoon. I mean, there's talk about Adam Duvall coming back to the Braves, right? There's talk about him coming back. I could see a scenario where, you know, you might add a, add a right-handed bat and plug them into left field a little bit to give Rosario some time off or what have you, and just kind of like, you know, get his, get his mind right or whatever like that. And then again, using Darno and Murphy in the DH spot, you know, as you need to, I could see a scenario like that, but it's not going to be any kind of wholesale panic type of move for this team. They're the best team in baseball. There's no reason to to panic with all of this stuff. And again, Strider probably deserved better and the Braves probably deserved better, you know, last night. But again, you know, just allowing the Red Sox to get offensively cranked up and some fielding issues and different things like that kind of really hurt the Braves. So again, now we're going to start from scratch. Now we're now we're coming back home. Now we're going to take on the Milwaukee Brewers who lead the NL Central. Now it's another three game set against them. We just saw them here a week or so ago, and 
Obviously, the Braves took two out of three from them. This will be a good little matchup for the Braves to, to get back on track and be at home and, and get some things cranked up and going. But it is interesting that as some of these guys at the bottom of the order have struggled, it has coincided with the Braves hitting some bumps in the road. Now, I'm not saying it's uh, you know a, a parallel line universe of just as these guys have gone, the Braves have gone as well. But we've talked about how good the bottom of the order has been to allow it to turn itself over and get to Ron, get more at bats for Ronnie and Ozzy and Riley and things like that, where they've had really a lot of production at the bottom of the order. And you don't feel like that with this Braves lineup that there are any easy outs in it. There's literally like not a spot in the order where you can point to and say, hey, that's an easy out. But of late, it's been a lot easier for pitchers. And again, you know, it, it's, it is interesting that as these guys have struggled, the Braves' one-loss record has also struggled as well. Maybe there's something to it. Maybe there's not. But again, we'll see here, you know, as we get back home and hopefully get these guys cranked up and going. All right, as you listen in to Hitting Hard, make sure you go into whatever podcast platform that you're listening on and let us know that you're an everyday listener to the program. So we do thank you so much for being a part of our community, but let us know that you're an everydayer, as we like to call it. Leave us a comment on your platform and let us know that you're an everyday listener to the program five days a week. So we do thank you greatly for being part of this community. So is Spencer Strider the current leader for the National League Cy Young? Look, Probably deserved a better fate last night. Six and a third inning, two uh, earned runs, one walk, 10 strikeouts, six hits he gave up, gave up three total runs, but only two were earned. The concern is the eight, the, the two home runs that he has given up uh, yesterday. Now, again, on the season, and this is not necessarily Cy Young related, but on the season, if you look, last year, Spencer Strider in 130 innings, I think 131 and two-thirds or whatever it was, 131 innings. He only gave up seven home runs on the season. In 123 innings this year, he's given up 18 homers. That's been kind of his bugaboo here of late. He's given up the home run ball. Wasn't necessarily so much of a problem early in the year, but as of late here, the last couple of months or so, it has been a problem. He's giving up too many home runs and allowing teams to kind of stay in games. And then you saw last night the, the Red Sox scored, what, five unanswered, and they took it last night. And, you know, the new addition for the Braves was not all that good. Uh, Johnson was not all that good, who fell to one and six, you know, on the year. Kirby Yates had a little bit of a struggle as well. But Strider probably deserved better. But when you look right now at where Strider is at, he leads, he's tied for the National League, well, he's tied for the Major League lead in wins with 11. He's 11-3 and three on the season. He leads the league in strikeouts. So in Major League Baseball, you know, if we if we want to expand it to, to the majors, he's got two of the three triple crown categories that he leads in in all of baseball. Now, maybe you could say that his ERA is a little bit high or this, that, and the other. You know, it's 3-7-3. Okay. I mean, again, but he's the most dominant pitcher going right now. You know, there's a reason why he was an all-star. And I had some people that talked about, you know, well, you know, maybe his ERA is a little bit high. Who cares? He's a dynamic pitcher. You feel like every time he goes out on the mound, he can throw a no-hitter with 25 strikeouts. Like, he just feels like that kind of guy that something 
magical can happen on any night that he's got the ball. And I think right now in the National League, he's the clear leader. I, I, Zach Gallon has had a really good year. He's 11 and 5. You know, his ERA is still about 3.6. He's got 140 something strikeouts. You know, he's averaging more than, you know, somewhere between 9, 10 strikeouts. But again, there is something to the fact that Spencer Strider is the best pitcher on the best team in baseball. Like that should also count for it as well. You know, we talk about these things of, you know, again, winning and things like that. Well, Spencer Strider is helping his team win a lot of games. And I'm not saying that Zach Gallon hasn't been a big reason why the Arizona Diamondbacks have turned things around, but the clear-cut favorite is the best team in baseball is the Atlanta Braves. And the best starter that they have is Spencer Strider. So I definitely think that he right now is the leader in the clubhouse for the Cy Young. And again, whether he wins the Cy Young or not, again, finishing second in rookie of the year voting, right? Again, Michael Harris, um, so close, you know, in this race, whether or not he wins the Cy Young, he's going to finish top three at worst. I mean, he's either going to win it or probably finish second in the Cy Young voting, but that's still a remarkable accomplishment for a guy who's only a few years removed from minor league baseball, who again in 2020 was wrapping up his you know career at Clemson University, drafted by the Braves, and here he is a few years later becoming the best young pitcher in all of Major League Baseball, right? And he's captured the imagination of fans with the mustache and everything else and the big strikeout numbers and, and stuff like that. Now, from a personal standpoint, I want to see him drop the home runs. I mean, again, early in the year, you know, he was giving up the fewest hits per nine innings, and, and that was a stat where he wasn't beating himself. He wasn't walking guys. He wasn't giving up a lot of hits wasn't giving up a lot of home runs, but that has kind of turned now. And that's why his ERA is popped up. And again, you know, he's probably deserved maybe to be at 13, 14 wins, but you know, he's kind of done himself no favors when he keeps some of these teams in the game and has to be pulled again. He was at like 60 something pitches in the, uh, through six innings. And you thought, okay, well, he's going to cruise through seven innings. And then all of a sudden two home runs given up in the seventh and, he got himself up to 90-something pitches, and okay, now it's time to go to the bullpen, right? He, he just couldn't couldn't finish out the seventh inning. So, again, maybe he probably deserved better, only giving up two earned runs in six and a third, but still, the 10 strikeouts. And again, he's going to break this the single-season franchise record. We talked about this. He's on pace for almost 300 strikeouts. Now, again, you get a 300. If, if he ends up with 300 strikeouts, I think he's a lock to win the, the Cy Young. I mean, assuming that he doesn't have a five ERA or he doesn't go 11 and 10, you know, for the season, he's a lock for the Cy Young with a 300 strikeout performance. And yeah, that is going to wow people and it's going to get people excited and it's going to, you know, again, invigorate, you know, people to want to watch him pitch and all this kind of stuff. And he's dynamic at it. But certainly, again, he's having a monster year. And it's crazy to think that just a few years ago, he was in their minor league system and, you know, again, uh, three years ago in 2020, you know, he was pitching for Clemson University. I still go back to that. Just it just is fascinating that he's transitioned so quickly into what looks like the best young starter in Major League Baseball. I don't know how many more young starters you would build your franchise around than Spencer Strider. And guess what? When he figures out how to pitch, when he just doesn't rear back and fire and blow people away, he's even going to be more deadly to it. So right now, I think that Spencer Strider is the leader in the clubhouse to win the Cy Young. And I'm not sure how close it is. Zach Gallon is 
been a nice story and he did start the all-star game, but I don't know that he's been better than what Spencer Strider has. And I know he doesn't mean more than what Spencer Strider does. And I know he doesn't create the buzz and excitement across major league baseball, the way that Spencer Strider does. I'll give him the Cy Young right now until otherwise noted, but outside of Zach Gallen, I don't know that there's a viable candidate in the national league that you would put anywhere close to what, um, Strider has done for this season and leading the league in two of the three triple crown categories wins and strikeouts that that also says a lot about how good that he's been for this team so we'll see what happens but obviously Strider's had a magnificent year either way whether he finishes first second what have you like that it's been a really good season for Spencer Strider all right, well, thank you so much for making Hitting Hard your first listen. Be sure to go in and whatever podcast platform that you listen on, let us know that you're an everyday listener to the program. So we call them our everyday or so. We thank you so much for being a part of our community and being a part of the show five days a week. We also ask you to subscribe or follow for free on YouTube or wherever you listen to your podcast. Get the latest episodes of Hitting Hard as soon as they become available. Also, check us out on the SiriusXM app and give me a follow on my personal Twitter page at JMCH316. Back with you to wrap up the week tomorrow. This has been Hitting Hard with John Chuckery, Locked on Sports Atlanta. 